This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Presented by Legacy Precious Metals. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is Roger Stone, and we're back on the Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC Radio. Joining us now is Judge Andrew Napolitano, longtime legal analyst for Fox Television, uh, now the host of his own red-hot podcast, Judging Freedom. Uh, Right up front, I should tell you, he's a friend of mine of over 30 years, uh, and it is a great honor to have Judge Napolitano on The Roger Stone Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, my dear friend, and I hate to say this, but I think it's more like 40 years, but whatever it is, our friendship is long and deep, uh, and I'm proud of it. Well, I'm trying to make both of us sound younger than we really are. (laughs) You're good at doing that, my man. (laughs) Uh, So, Judge, there's so much going on in the legal world. Let's start with a broader topic. You have been around a long time. Uh, Have you ever seen anything like this tsunami of lawfare that is being used against President Donald Trump? Not in this country, not in my lifetime or your lifetime, no. This is uh, quite, quite extraordinary. Um, The civil case in New York... Uh, which should have been thrown out on constitutional grounds. I can get into that later if you want. Uh, the case in Georgia, which makes no sense, and the two uh, and the two federal cases are you, you have described it right by calling it a tsunami. I mean, it it is our friends on the other side of the aisle, and I say friends sarcastically, uh, using the judicial system uh, for fear that the electoral system will not enable them uh, to stop him from another term. Uh, in the White House. It's it's pretty clear. I think the Mar-a-Lago case is troublesome for him. Uh, the other cases are uh, based on politics and are garbage as far as I as far as I am concerned. I love them, as you know, and I've known them for as long as you have. Maybe you've known them a little longer. Um, doesn't always get the best representation. Sometimes his lawyers say things that uh, uh, don't move the ball forward, but I do believe that the public sees what's going on here, because every time there's an adverse ruling in any one of these cases, adverse to uh, Donald Trump, this number is literally true. Every time there's an adverse ruling to him uh, at the trial court or at an appellate court, his poll numbers go up. Yeah, it is, it is counterintuitive. Normally, when a candidate for public office gets charged with a crime, uh, their support among the voters dries up, their money dries up, and they're soon out of the race. And then usually, since the government usually wins at court, uh, you know, found guilty. This is completely counterintuitive, but I agree with you. I think the American people are seeing through it. Uh, in, the, in the Georgia case and in the federal case brought by Jack Smith in Washington, D.C., it seems to me that the prosecutors have an obligation to prove Trump's state of mind. In other words, mens rea, I'm not an attorney, but I've read about it. They claim Trump knew in both cases that he lost the election and then 
conspired with others to hold on to power. How can they prove what Trump knew, what Trump thought? Only Trump knows what Trump thought. That's a very good question, Roger, and it is the biggest obstacle that the government has. Now, the only way you can prove state of mind is by inference, by people who heard him say things, or by inference from his behavior. Unfortunately uh, for Trump, the government has terrified some of his former lawyers uh, into pleading guilty in return for going on a witness stand and saying what the government wants to hear. I think this is a form of bribery. Uh, but but that's not what the majority of the judicial community thinks, and they will allow this testimony. So, and this this harms Rudy Giuliani as well. Jenna Ellis, uh, Kenny Chesbro, uh, and the crazy woman from uh, Texas, uh, Sidney Powell, uh, have all agreed uh, in return for a slap on their wrists to tell uh, a grand jury and to tell a trial jury what Trump said at the time, and that will help the government, the government believes, uh, prove intent. Now, in the case of Powell, she has so much baggage they can't possibly put her on the witness stand. Uh, but the other two are respectful, respectable lawyers with some baggage, but nothing like Powell's, and I think they will put them on the witness stand. So that's the best way you prove uh, intent. Trump's problem with intent, if I may, and I've, I've said this before as I try to get messages to him through my various uh broadcasting venues, is that he often says things politically which harm him legally. For example, just yesterday he said he knew the election was over in December of 2020. Now, he said that because he wanted to or wants to be able to argue that what he did on January 6th was not in furtherance of his political career, but was an effort uh, to preserve democracy, because if it was an effort to preserve democracy, everything he said and did and didn't do on the 6th is covered by immunity. If it was an effort to preserve his political career or extend his political career, I should say, then it's outside the ambit of presidential duties and it's not covered by immunity. On the other hand, if on January 6th he knew he already lost, that falls right into the government's hands on the January 6th case and on the uh, on the Georgia case. So it's hard for me to predict how this is going to go because I don't know what juries are, are going to do. Um, one of my biggest complaints about the New York civil case is there is no jury. The statute doesn't provide for one. The statute is unconstitutional. Why? Because the Constitution says when you, this number is ridiculous, but it was written in 17... Uh, 89. If you're being sued for more than 20 bucks, you're entitled to a jury. Well, he's being sued for 370 million bucks. No jury. A judge is basically a political hack who we know is going to rule against him. I'm getting ahead of myself here, and I apologize for that. Well, also, uh, Trump, in this particular case, the one you cite, is being prosecuted under law in which no one ever in the history of New York State has ever been prosecuted. How coincidental. Uh, Judge, let's go back a second, because there's something I'm a little uh, confused about as a layman. How is it that Trump's attorneys can be forced to testify against him uh, regarding privileged conversations or communications? Under the Sixth Amendment, should that not be allowed? Not be allowed? In my world, 
it would not be allowed. When I was in law school, I hate to sound like I'm 100 years old, it was not allowed. But in the past 40 years, there has developed the following theory. If a lawyer and a client engaged in a crime or a deceptive act, or if the lawyer, if the client used the lawyer to further a crime or a deceptive act, then their communications are not privileged. So by putting one of Trump's own lawyers before the grand jury and inducing him to say Trump lied to me about whether or not there were documents in Mar-a-Lago, that's either a crime or an act of deception. It's probably an act of deception because telling a lie not under oath is, thanks be to God, not a crime. Uh, and thereby, there is no attorney-client privilege. So that's lawyer number uh, one, uh, Jim Trustee, and no longer one of Trump's lawyers because he's a witness against him. The other three whose names uh, I gave earlier, Sidney Powell, Kenny Chesbro, uh, and Jenna Ellis, the same theory, because they participated in criminal behavior to which they have already pleaded guilty, there is no attorney-client privilege. I prefer the old rule. No matter what the lawyer and client talked about, it's privilege. So here, here's an explanation for that. Uh, the lawyer is sitting in his office. The client comes in and says, I have been charged with robbing a bank. What are my defenses? And the lawyer says, well, here are your defenses. You didn't do it. You weren't there. Uh, mistaken identity. The money was yours anyway. Whatever. But if the client comes in and says, uh, if I rob a bank, what will my defenses be? And they have that same conversation. In the second case, the conversation is not privileged. In the first case, it is. That's the law today. That's the law everywhere in the United States today, in state court and in federal court. Uh, amazing. Judge, what do you make of these various efforts, uh, which kind of accumulated uh, uh, in Colorado, to remove, or I should say, bar Trump from the ballot in various states uh, based on an interpretation of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, specifically uh, Article or Section 3. Well, here's an area, this is very, very rare, where you and I and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie agree this should not be done Whatever you think of Donald Trump, it's for the voters uh, to decide. Article 3 of the 14th Amendment was written for one purpose, to keep those who engaged in war in behalf of the Confederacy against the Union during the war between the states, more commonly called the Civil War, from returning to the federal government as federal office holders. It was never intended for any purpose other than that. Moreover, the wording of Section 3 is so ambiguous. It doesn't prohibit you from running for office. It prohibits you from holding office. It lists the office that are prohibited, and not among those listed is the President of the United States. It doesn't say whether or not you're entitled to due process, meaning you have to be convicted uh, of aiding and abetting an insurrection, or can a mere allegation work. In Trump's case, a, he has not been convicted of aiding or abetting an insurrection. B, he hasn't even been accused of it. 
with all the stuff that Jack Smith has thrown at him, nowhere in there, in either of the cases, Mar-a-Lago or January 6th, is there an allegation of aiding or abetting an insurrection. So this is a gross overreach by the Colorado Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court must correct this, because if it doesn't, you're going to get all kinds of decisions all over the place. For example, the Minnesota Supreme Court, a very, very liberal state, ruled the other way around, ruled the opposite of the way Colorado was ruled. So the Constitution can't mean different things in different states. Uh, state laws can be different, obviously, but the Constitution can't. And I'm anxious to hear how the Supreme Court comes down on this. We'll know shortly after oral argument, which I believe is scheduled for uh, February 12th. So, in other words, uh, if the court should rule for Trump in this matter, would that void all of the efforts in all of the states to uh, bar him from the ballot, uh, citing the same legal theory? A great question, Roger. The short answer is no. The longer answer is it depends how the court rules. Uh, If the court rules that the 14th Amendment does not apply to the presidency because it doesn't list the presidency amongst the offices that you uh, cannot uh, uh, hold if you've engaged in aiding or abetting an insurrection, then Trump is home free. If it sets forth standards that the states must meet uh, before barring him from the ballot, and those standards can be met in some cases, since in some states, well, then he's back to square one. He's going to confront a lot of litigation in a lot of states. It depends what the Uh, Supreme Court does. What do I think they'll do? I think they'll say uh, this is not self-executing, meaning it requires congressional legislation, and in the absence of congressional legislation, it can't be enforced, and there is no congressional uh, legislation. That's what I think they'll do. That's a narrow and neutral way out of it. The other narrow and neutral way out of it is this does not prohibit anybody from running for office. It prohibits them from holding office. Uh, John Roberts, the chief justice uh, of the Supreme Court, is notorious for kicking the can down the road. So if they do that, that means let's see if Trump runs and let's see if Trump wins. If he doesn't run, no issue. If he runs and doesn't win, no issue. If he runs and wins, we'll address it at that time. So there are two ways, I think, that the Supreme Court can get out of this uh, and preserve its integrity without being a political. Roberts desperately wants a unanimous ruling. He does not want a 6-3 to three or a 5-4. to four. Uh, He wants a unanimous apolitical ruling to preserve the integrity of the court and to keep it out of uh, uh, politics as best uh, he can. Uh, but I can't imagine uh, uh, a greater constitutional crisis than if the people elected Donald Trump in a free, fair, honest election, but then the U.S. Supreme Court ruled after his election that he was ineligible well, to hold I agree with the you. office. I mean, that's this just a nightmare. A danger. It would be a nightmare. Uh, it would be revolutionary. Uh, th- this is the danger of kicking the can uh, down the road. Um, the other way they could look at this is the sort of narrow textualist uh, way that uh, our friend um, Justice Gorsuch often champions And that is uh, because the presidency is not listed among the offices um, uh, mentioned in the section of the the amendment we're talking about, it doesn't apply to him. Or the historical interpretation 
look, it's obvious that this had to do with the Civil War and nothing uh, further. And there's nobody running today uh, who participated in aiding the Confederacy. Uh, Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show at 77 WABC, and we're talking to Judge Andrew Napolitano, uh, who is the host of a red-hot podcast, Judging Freedom. You can see it on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter. That's where I watch it. But, uh, Judge, where else can folks watch your your daily show? Well, most people, uh, thank you, Roger, most people watch it on uh, YouTube, uh, where we have uh, about a million and a quarter uh, viewers a week. We put up about uh, 15 episodes a week, usually five days uh, a week. Uh, we have been concentrating on uh, the war in Ukraine uh, and the war in Gaza. But, of course, we get into other libertarian issues uh, with which I am fascinated, like the freedom of speech and the debasement of money. But uh, since those wars have been raging, we've been concentrating on them. You will hear guests on this show that the federal government does not want you to hear. You will hear the mess that Joe Biden uh, has delivered uh, in Ukraine, and you will hear the um, mess uh, that the United States government has delivered uh, in Gaza. You'll hear it out of the mouths of former uh, military folks or expert in the field and former intelligence folks who are highly, harshly critical of the CIA and the American intelligence community. Yeah, I think your interviews with Colonel Douglas McGregor have been really notable, have really been extraordinary. You know, he is, he is a champion of understanding the military and fidelity to the Constitution. Uh, if Donald Trump is elected uh, president, which appears is, will happen now, uh, Doug would be on the short list to become uh, Secretary of Defense, no question about it. He was uh, highly uh, regarded in the uh, Trump uh, Defense Department in the last two years of Trump's presidency. Uh, Judge, a, a, a political question for you, a little out of the realm, but uh, your impressions regarding the independent presidential candidacy of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Bobby has been a friend of mine for a number of years, uh, and uh, a lot of people uh, promoted me, as you know, because we talked about this, but not publicly, but I'll mention it if you don't mind, promoted me to be considered by him as his vice presidential running mate that was uh, deeply flattering. We agree on a lot of issues like the deep state Uh, the intelligence community, forcing vaccines on people, things like that. Uh, But lately, uh, Bobby's views on the slaughter in Gaza and Bobby's views on the First Amendment uh, have turned me off uh, to his his candidacy. From time to time, he uh, texts me, but texts me, but when he does, we avoid those issues. I think he's going to have a much, much more difficult time getting on the ballot than perhaps uh, and his band of uh, well-meaning and enthusiastic amateurs think. I uh, led the uh, petition drive for Libertarian Party candidate Gary Johnson uh, in 2012 when I could not stomach the candidacy of Mitt Romney, and I myself briefly left the party of Lincoln, 
the party of Eisenhower, the party of Nixon, Reagan, and Trump uh, to uh, support his candidacy. Uh, and it's uh, not lost on me that the laws that govern ballot access uh, are written by Republicans and Democrats working together to make sure that both intra-party contests are extraordinarily difficult, so there's no challenge to the political establishment within the party, uh, but also uh, to make uh, general election uh, competition uh, more limited to the two major parties. Uh, and then, of course, you have the whole question of debates, uh, and uh, the Presidential Commission on Debates, which uh, usually works with one of the networks to determine who should participate in the debates. Well, the co-chairs are the chairman or chairpersons of the Republican and Democratic Party. Uh, and the, the criteria they set is a threshold in the national polls. Uh, and if you can't hit the threshold, you're not in the debates. And if you're not in the debates, you can't hit the threshold. Uh, the requirement to be in the debates should be, are you on the ballot in enough states to theoretically uh, reach 270 electoral votes? Right. Th that's right. a very high bar. That's a Roger, perfectly I, reasonable measure. I, I agree with everything you're saying. My personal experience with this, long before I was a judge being involved um, with getting Ronald Reagan's name on the ballot in New Jersey, in the New Jersey primary, in 1976, a long time ago, to oppose then incumbent but appointed President Gerald R. Ford uh, and the frustrations that uh, we encountered then. I think you know this. I told Bobby Kennedy he should hire Roger Stone to head his get me on the ballot campaign that nobody knew it uh, better than you. Obviously, it didn't go anywhere and he's suffering for it. I keep getting these emails from them saying, we're on the ballot in Utah. We're on the ballot in Utah. That may be, may be the case, but where is that going to get them? Well, look, I, I'm for Donald Trump. Uh, I owe him my life, uh, but I also think he's the right man at the right time. And I now think he has a much fuller uh, understanding of the epic corruption of all of the institutions of government and the uh, cabal in which they operate with uh, established corporate media. So uh, although there are a couple of Robert Kennedy's issue positions uh, I agree with, overall, uh, I still think he is at heart a progressive uh, Democrat. Uh, I could never see myself there. Uh, I like him on a personal level, but that's a different question. I don't know him that well. Now, if you go on X, formerly known at Twitter, uh, you will see dozens of people who say that I'm secretly plotted his campaign, that this is some kind of a conspiracy to siphon votes from Joe Biden. People say a lot of crazy things uh, on X, but because I don't believe in censorship, because I'm a strong believer in the First Amendment, I guess people are entitled to say whatever they want. Now, sometimes what they say is extraordinarily defamatory, uh, but uh, even the defamation laws in the country, the bar is set so high because I'm a, a public figure, largely because I do this show, uh, and a daily show, and I've knocked around American politics for 40 years, 
you can defame me in many, many ways, such as saying that there's a tape of me threatening to assassinate Democratic politicians when no such tape exists, just to put a fine point on it. So, uh, Judge, uh, moving along, the uh, hearings before the Supreme Court on whether or not Donald Trump has immunity from prosecution regarding acts uh, that uh, he was involved in uh, or ordered when he was president, uh, I thought that this process was extraordinary. Uh, Trump's uh, attorney, uh, I think his name is John Sauer, wasn't even a minute and a half into his presentation when Judge Pan of the three-judge panel uh, at the D.C. Court of Appeals uh, started hitting him with hypothetical questions uh, that seemed, I guess, to design to get her a pat on the back from the mainstream media, but I don't think added much to the legal debate here. What is your opinion on uh, on the proceedings and uh, on the entire question of immunity? You addressed this a little bit earlier, but expand on that for us, if you would. All right. So the question of immunity is a factual one, which will require, in my view, the jury to make some determination, which means there probably will be a trial because it is a factual determination, not a legal determination as to what the president did on January 6th. So a jury should hear testimony, probably from the former president himself, knowing him, he'll want to testify on this, from Mark Meadows, is another guy that flipped, who's going to present the government's version of this, from whoever was around him on January 6th. And the jury will decide the following question. Whatever he did, was it in furtherance of his office as president of the United States, or whether it was, was it in furtherance of him as a candidate? If the former, it's immune. If the latter, it's not immune. This is the lesson of United States versus Nixon. There are many cases called United States versus Nixon, but one of them does address immunity. When Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon, a great act of uh, courage in American history, done too soon in his presidency because he would have beaten jimmy carter if this hadn't happened but that's just my view of history i think you may share it he didn't just pull the pardon out of his pocket he commissioned sophisticated research on the part of the uh, department of justice he got a 40 or 50 page research piece which basically said what i just told you if the acts were within the scope of the presidency immune if in furtherance of some petty or personal or political uh, wish or aspiration, not immune. The person who uh, provided that research and signed that memorandum was a young DOJ lawyer by the name of Antonin Scalia. Now, back to the oral argument. Uh, I believe that the court, I'll get to Judge Pan in a minute, I believe that the court will send it back to Judge Chutkin the trial judge to make that determination, to have a jury make that determination. So a jury doesn't always answer guilty or not guilty. A jury answers what we call specific interrogatories. So the court will tell the jury, you must answer this question first. Did he act within the scope of the presidency? If the answer to that is yes, your deliberations are terminated. If the answer to that is no, then you will proceed to decide whether or not he committed the crimes that the government says he committed. That's the way I think the court will go. Judge Pan's question was a hypothetical to see how far uh, the 
Trump's lawyer will go, and he made a, a fool of himself. I don't know the man, but he is the laughingstock of the international legal community by making that argument that Trump could order a murder and be immune. He should simply have said what I said. Your Honor, if the president's behavior is within the scope of the presidency, he's immune. If outside the scope of the presidency, he's not. Killing an Iranian general is within the scope of the presidency. Killing a political opponent is not. That would have been the answer. But by the answer that he gave, he's made himself a laughing stock, and he's, he's demeaned Trump's arguments. Trump's arguments are real, legitimate arguments. But everybody's focusing on this crazy back and forth over uh, SEAL Team 6 and a hypothetical assassination. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I had uh, an interview with uh, the criminal defense lawyer, David Schoen, uh, last week, and he made the well, exact same argument. But David he, Schoen, if, if you don't mind me saying this, is one of the smartest appellate lawyers that I know uh, and was privileged to interview him many times in my years at Fox. Uh, he is truly brilliant. He's been here uh, on the Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC multiple times. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Let me thank my guest, Judge Andrew Napolitano, a longtime Fox legal analyst, but now helming his very own extraordinary uh, daily show, uh, Judging Freedom. You can see that on YouTube, and I commend it to you. Judge Napolitano, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, cold Sunday uh, on the yes. Roger Stone Show. Pleasure, Roger. All the best to you.